I had a three-wheeler bike when I was a kid. It was royal blue, had little white plastic handlebars, it had white rubber wheels, solid rubber wheels. I loved that three-wheeler. I don't even know whatever happened to it, but sort of from the age of, I guess, three, four, five, six, seven, that three-wheeler was, was kind of life to me. We lived on a pretty busy road, so um, we didn't ride, I didn't ride my three-wheeler ever on the road, and there was no footpath where we lived. Um, but just a, 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 house or down from, a house or so down from us, there was a side street. Um, it was only like a, a block long, you know, 100 metres long, but it was really steep. And, you know, when you're four or five, it was impossibly steep. No one could ever ride their bike uh, to the top of that hill. And me and my friends, you could walk up there and then ride around the flat streets at the top. But, um, but you could never actually ride on that road. And when I was about five or six years old, uh, a kid in my street told me that his cousin had ridden down that hill on his bike. I was mind blown. Wow. Like, was that even possible? Could you even ride a bike down that steep hill? Now, I'd grown up with a different story. I'd grown up with a story that said, don't ride on that hill. You can't ride up that hill and definitely don't ride down that hill. But now here was someone coming and they were telling me a different story. And I thought, if their cousin could do it, Surely I could do it. And so uh, at the age of uh, five or six, I walked my bike to the top of that hill, which was really hard work. It was a hard push, even though I've been back to the hill. It's really not that big. But when you're five or six, this thing was a mountain. I walked my bike, my three-wheeler to the top of the hill. I turned it around. I sat on it and I started pedaling. And I think I pedaled for probably... uh, five to ten metres before the bike had picked up so much speed that my little feet couldn't stay on the pedals because it was a, you know, a fixed drive. So the pedals were spinning like this with the wheels and all I could do, that thing had no brakes, right? It was a three-wheeler. And so all I could do was just sort of put my legs out to the side and hold on. Down, down the hill. My road, this hill ended at my road in T-junction. And uh, my little three-wheeler went straight across that T-junction. Miraculously, no cars were coming at the time. Slammed into the curb on the other side. And uh, I just went Superman over the handlebars. Um, Actually, almost all of me got over the handlebars. Not quite all of me got over the handlebars. That's a very, very painful story that um, (laughs) we won't repeat. Uh, little Matt thought he was never going to grow up to be Big Matt, if you know what I'm <laughs> kind of saying. But anyway, we're uh, <laughs> don't go anywhere with that, all right? We're journeying through the book of Galatians in our Bibles. Um, and I want to say, um, if you haven't heard, if you weren't here last week and haven't heard part one of our Galatians, which I really encourage you um, uh, online this week to listen to it on uh, YouTube or through podcasts, Apple Podcasts and Spotify, because last week we really uh, sort of, we did kind of an overview of the whole book of Galatians and, and what we talked through last week really does set the foundation, really does set you up for the rest of the series. Um, but as a quick summary, 
We talked last week about, we call it a book of Galatians. If you're ever in churches, they say, you know, the book of Galatians. But it's not actually a book. It was a letter. It was a letter that Paul wrote to a group of churches in the area, a region called Galatia. That's why the people who lived there were Galatians who lived in Galatia. And about 49 AD, Paul wrote a letter to the churches, these group of tiny churches in Galatia. Galatia's in uh, modern day Turkey. If you look at a map, Turkey, um, Galatia's around that area. And Paul's letter to the Galatians had so much good stuff in it that they shared it. They made copies, literally hand-wrote copies, and they shared it with other churches in nearby regions. And and they thought there was so much value, so much good stuff in the letter that they shared it with other churches and so on and so on. And as we said last week, and it's literally true, Paul's letter went viral. And in 393 AD, when the church leaders gathered together all of these early Christian writings to determine which were those that they really wanted to keep, which were those that would eventually uh, sort of become what we call our New Testament, what we call our Bible, including Paul's letter to the Galatians, was a must. 300 years after Paul wrote this letter, the church considered that there was still so much really valuable insight and information and, if you like, transformation in that letter that it had to be included in what became our Bible. And so in this series, we're asking, what was it in that letter? What was it about that letter that Paul wrote that made it so valuable that 300 years later and now 2,000 years later, we still read this ancient letter? And we said by way of background that the first church, the first Christian church, was a Jewish church. It grew out of the Jewish nation. Jesus was a Jew and all of his original followers were ancient Jews. But the good news of Jesus, the story of his life and his death and his resurrection, quickly spread across the world and it quickly spread beyond the borders of the nation of Israel, beyond the Jewish nation. And by the time that Paul planted and brought together these tiny churches in the area of Galatia, there were still some Jews there, but the church by that time was sort of, you know, maybe half traditional Jews and half not Jews, Greeks and Romans and and others. And about a year or so after Paul has started this church and he's moved on in his journey to be sharing the good news with other parts of the world, he hears on the grapevine that after he leaves uh, the area of Galatia, other Christians, other people have come in and they've been sharing about Jesus too. But but they've been sharing a slightly different story. Some of it was sort of the same, but they had their own version. And what was really different about their version and Paul's version is they had a version that said, if you want to become a Christian, if you want to follow the way of Jesus, first you have to become a Jew. Because Jesus was a Jew and we're Jews. So the first thing you need to do is to become a Jew. In other words, you have to follow all of the ancient Jewish customs. You have to, you have to go to all the same religious festivals and celebrate all the same holy days as we do. You have to eat and uh, follow all the same food customs as we do. You can't eat this and you have to eat that. and You've got to wash your hands in certain ways. 
You have to be circumcised because ancient Jews were circumcised. So, so, so if you're a male in this culture and you want to become a Christian, the first thing you need to do is get out the knife and you know, kind of do the deed. And Paul, when Paul hears this, he is incredibly frustrated and angry. That's not the story of Jesus that he taught them. And so he sits down and he writes a letter back to these churches in Galatia to remind them of the message of the story that he shared with them. If you like, to bring the Galatian church back to what he believes is the truth, what he believes is the original and the true message and story of Jesus. And that's where we're going to pick up Paul's letter today. So if you've got a Bible, open it. Um, we do have a couple of extra Bibles over here. Um, if, you, if you haven't got one, if you've got one on your device. Um, and the first thing, as we said last week, Galatians can be hard to find because it's a tiny little uh, letter in our Bibles. You know, your Bible's like a thousand pages long and Galatians is like five pages. So we said, um, if you've got a Bible, you kind of flick through about two thirds of the way through, you'll find the boys' names, Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Um, if you keep flicking right after that, there's a, a, a big book of Acts. After that, there's another big book of Romans and then a couple of big books of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And then right after that are four tiny books, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. They're all only about a half a dozen pages and Galatians is the first of those. And of course, if you've got a digital Bible, you've already found it because you just scroll down and hit Galatians and it's a beautiful world. Paul does not mess around in this letter. It's only five pages and he is going to jump straight into, uh, after his initial sort of introductory remarks, he's going to jump straight into the guts, into what he really wants to say to these churches. So we're reading, uh, I'm going to read today from chapter 1, verse 6. These are Paul's words to the church in Galatia. He says, I am astonished. Can't believe it. I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. <laughs> Evidently, some people are throwing you into, into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we've already said, so now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. I can't believe it, says Paul. I can't believe how quickly you're turning away from the gospel, how quickly you're turning away from the good news. That amazing, that good news, that amazing story that I told you about the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It was only a year or so ago. I can't believe that you're already drifting from that. Verse 7, evidently some people are throwing you into a confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. Paul says, why are you listening to them? Verse 8, even if, he says, even if an angel told you something different, even if an angel came down from heaven, if they had a different story, don't listen to them. Don't listen to anyone who wants to tell you anything different about the truth of who Jesus is and what he did. It says in verse 9, as we've already said, now I say again, if anybody 
If anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than the one you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Don't you remember what I told you when I was... I told you this would happen, he's saying. When I was there, I, I told you, I said, if anyone comes after us and you know, tries to kind of give you another message, don't listen to them. But people are people, right? You know, we so easily get led astray, don't we? I mean, you could read this letter now and you can think, well, what were they thinking? Why would they do that? Like, how dumb is that? But you know what it's like? In the moment, you get sucked into another story. You know, someone comes along and they, it seems to make a little sense. You get sucked up in the moment. Your emotions kind of carry you away and all of a sudden you, you start to doubt that truth. Or you start to adapt that truth. You start to sort of tweak the story. And the next thing you know, you're flying down a, wheel on, a hill on your three-wheeler bicycle thinking, how did I get here? How did I allow this to happen? I knew this was a bad idea, but all of a sudden, I'm right in the middle of it. And of course, in our world, lots of people ask you, well, but, but what is the truth anyway? I mean, Paul grew up in a world and Paul lived in a world that was actually not much different to ours in, in terms of the way that it lived with truth. Paul lived in a world where everyone had their own version of truth. Every nation, every people group, they had their own gods, their own things that they believed in, their own laws, their own way of living, their own way of doing things. But Paul and Peter and James and John, those who were, who were leaders and influencers in the early church, Guys like Luke and Mark who had interviewed them and had written down their stories and were passing those around. They all had the same story. They were all sharing the same story about Jesus. Paul wrote a number of letters. He wrote a letter to the church in Galatia, but, but he was a bit of a... He was a bit of a letter writer, Paul, and he wrote another letter to um, the church in Corinth, another city that he'd uh, visited. And he explained his truth this way. This is in 1 Corinthians 15, 4, or 15, sorry. Um, now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel, the good news. I want to remind you of the good news I preached to you, which you've received and on which you've taken your stand. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to the word I preach to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. Paul writes to this church and he says the same thing that he's writing to the Galatians. Let me remind you of the gospel. Let me remind you of the good news. He said, let me remind you of the, the story on which you've taken your stand. We might say, let me remind you on the story that is, that is the foundation of your faith. That thing on which you stand, that thing on which your belief is placed. And Paul said, this is the story that I heard 
from Jesus. This is the story that I heard and which I'm now passing on to you. He says, as of first importance, in other words, this is the number one thing I've got to tell you. This is the most important thing. Verse 3, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. This was the gospel that Paul and Peter and James and John and the other apostles were sharing with the world, that Jesus died for our sins. Just as he predicted he would, and just as others for thousands of years had been predicting he would. That's what it means when, uh, when Paul writes that he did this according to the scriptures. It's his way of saying, just like we knew would happen, Christ died for our sins. He was buried and he was raised on the third day. That was the story that Paul was travelling around the world sharing with people. It's what he called the gospel, what he called the good news of Jesus. It's the same story that Peter and John and the other apostles were telling. And that story was passed on uh, uh, into those churches and they passed on to their children and to the next generation. And in fact, that is the story that has been passed on down in the church for thousands and thousands of years. It's the foundation on which we stand. It's the foundation on which the church is built and on which our faith is built. And Paul would say to us, just as he said to the Galatians, and this is why the letter went so viral, because people heard Paul saying into their context, don't listen to anyone else who wants to tell you any other story about Jesus. You'll hear all sorts of other people want to tell you their version of Jesus, who they think Jesus is, what they think Jesus is about. But we're telling you the original Jesus story. Keep standing on that. Keep that as your foundation in life. That's the message that Paul spent his life sharing with the world around him. It's the message that the church has been sharing for 2,000 years since that time. It's the message that we're still sharing today. It's the reason that Paul wrote his letter. It's the reason that Paul's letter was shared so widely across the world. It's the reason that this letter is still so valuable to us today. Because it calls us back to that original message, to that original truth about who Jesus is and what he did. I mean, it's the message that this church is built on. A message that says that God created the world. That God created a beautiful and a perfect world. He put humanity in the middle of the world to rule the world with him. But we messed it up. We wanted to do things our own way. We wanted to rule the world our way. We, we wanted to have things the way that we wanted them. We didn't want to listen to the way that God told us he wanted us to live. And Paul and other ancient writers, they call this, this sort of rebellion sin. But amazingly, instead of destroying us, Instead of God saying, these guys have got it so wrong, we're just going to wipe the slate clean and start again, which is probably what we deserved. 
God was so gracious and loving, was so committed to humanity that he reached out to save us from the mess and the sin and the rebellion that we are in and that we created. And in a moment and an action that to this day, humanity cannot really get our heads around, God decides to send his own son into the world to deal with the mess that we created. God himself took all of our sin and all of our rebellion and all of our mess, everything that we have ever done, everything that we are doing and everything that we will ever do, and he heaped it all on his perfect son, Jesus. And in a place where we should have died, where the right thing would have been for God to say, you guys have messed it up so bad, you're done. He sacrificed his own son. He let Jesus die. And again, in a way that we we can't really fully, uh, to this day, get our minds around. In that moment, as Jesus died, he died with all of our sin and all of our mess on top of him. But Jesus didn't stay dead. He overcame your sin. He overcame the death that you deserved and he rose again three days later. And and in doing so, he made the new life and the new freedom and the new hope that he was raised into, he made that available to you. And so there there was this sort of invitation, if you like, of Jesus saying, I'm offering you a new life, free of your sin and free of your mess and free of all of that, to live with me, to live my new life forever, literally forever, beyond your death in this life, forever into eternity. That was Paul's original message. And that's been the good news of the church, the good news of Jesus ever since that time. And so sure, we're a new church here and we do some things differently, but we are still built on that same original message. That gospel, that good news that Paul tells the Galatians and the Corinthians to take their stand on, it's the same good news that we take our stand on today. And so the invitation, the invitation that Paul makes to those early Christians in the early church is the same invitation that we make into our world today. Paul wrote that invitation in another letter uh, that he wrote to the church in Rome, another area um, where, where new little Christian churches were starting. Paul wrote it this way, Romans 10.9, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you believe in your heart that God's raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Our invitation is the same as the one that Jesus, uh, that Paul made 2,000 years ago. Will you say out loud, Jesus is Lord? Which is, a, which is a kind of Bible way of saying, will you say that Jesus will be the boss of my life? 
Will you say that I will stop trying to control things for myself and I will let Jesus control my life? I will follow him. I will put him first. He will be the boss over who I am. And will you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Paul said, if you do that, if you'll do that, you will be saved. It's the same invitation that we make to people today. Will you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Will you believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead? And if you will do that, you will be saved. You will be saved from sin and death. You will be saved from the kind of hopelessness and sadness that just so is all over our world today, isn't it? And you will be saved into a new life of freedom and hope and joy. A life that begins now and continues forever, even after you die in this life, it continues into eternity. That's the original message that Paul shared with the Galatians. He is writing this letter to remind people of that truth and to draw them back to that truth and that story. It's the message Paul wanted to remind them about. And, and if you like, as we read Galatians today, we hear Paul's ancient voice reminding us and drawing us back to that same original truth. Because that's the message of the church today. Now I'm going to invite you now just in a few moments to sit with that message and to sit with that invitation. Because I'm aware that there are some of us in this place that know that invitation, that have responded to that invitation, and it is a reminder to us. And there are some of us who are sitting here today going, yep, yep, I get that. I, I totally get that. I totally understand that. It's fully me. Thank you for the reminder. But there are probably others of us in this place who've maybe heard this before, kind of got a vague idea, but maybe haven't fully responded. Maybe haven't actually, you know, ticked the invitation and said, yeah, I've made that declaration. I've, I've given my heart, you know, that's, you know, maybe my parents did it. Maybe I've been hanging around church and, you know, I've got a few friends who did it, but I've never really done that for myself. And if that's you, you can make that decision. You can respond to that invitation today. 